0: Hello listeners, this morning, by which I mean the morning of Sunday, July 23rd, I once again found myself in the pulpit at Bethany United Church of Christ in Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio. I had agreed to these two Sundays in a row uh, not too long ago. And so this was the second of these two weeks where I was privileged to be a part of that congregation. And I I was kind of amazed uh, how comfortable I felt this week. It, it it was like, you know, sudden you do it the first time and you're you're hoping it just goes well and you don't mess anything up or do anything that's too unfamiliar and uh, the second week today I just felt like oh yeah this is what happens here and this is what happens here and and it, there was there was a great increase in my comfort level because I knew what to expect and, and so so that that was that was a good I I feel like it it affected the way that I preached. I feel like it affected the way I led worship in positive ways, I'll add. And so, yeah, it was another good morning with those folks. And so, as you might have been able to guess, this morning or this week's podcast episode is once again going to be the sermon that I preached this morning, or earlier this morning. It's, yeah, whichever. Um, So this, this, this is based on the passage from Genesis, chapter 28, verses 10 through 19a, so the first little part of verse 19, and it's the story of, you might most, if you know it at all or you're familiar with it, he, it's typically called maybe the the Jacob's Ladder story. So Jacob lies down and he has a dream, and it's a dream of angels ascending and descending on a ladder, or depending on the translation, a stairway. Had a l- little bit of fun with Stairway to Heaven in the sermon, which you'll hear um, also, once again, my phone or my, my watch talked to me. Thankfully, it happened near the very beginning of the service. I, I have never had that happen before preaching at this church. It, it's been very strange. I get my, my wrist just hit the right way or something and, and so once again you you're gonna hear me interact with my Apple watch for a second or two, but anyway, uh, this week's sermon is called a gradual sunrise, a gradual sunrise, and I think that overall it went very well. Again, I think my comfort level helped me for the better, and again, we we had an enjoyable time together. At Bethany UCC this morning. So here we are, here we go, a gradual sunrise based on Genesis 28, verses 10 through 19a. Welcome to the Coffee House Contemplative Podcast. This story that we have heard about Jacob just now is an incredibly important one for who he becomes. It's an important turning point in his life. It, it is a, a turning of the corner that sets him, begins to set him on a different path. But we may or may not appreciate what how big of a moment this is without backing up a little bit we need to we need to reconsider or 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 back up and think about what has brought Jacob to this point so that we can more properly understand how big of a turning sort of moment this is for him. So those who were here last week, those who tuned in last week may remember that we also heard about Jacob a little bit. Jacob's story up to this point to put it kindly does not put him in the best light. He does not come off as the nicest guy. And again, we we heard a little bit about that a week ago. So Jacob, we are told, is the second born of twins. Fraternal twins. I think we can deduce from what we know about both of them. Esau is the older brother. He is the one who is actually born first, and we are told he's a hairy guy. That's apparently one of his defining characteristics, is how hairy he is. And so he comes out first, and then even before this, we're told that that these two struggled in the womb, causing their mother to say get these two out of here kind of a kind of a harbinger of how their relationship would develop over the next years and even decades so esau the hairy guy comes out first and then right behind him comes Jacob, and we know that he comes right behind Esau because Jacob is clutching Esau's heel on the way out. So already we have this contentious relationship forming between these two, and it is just the beginning. We are eventually told some other things about Esau. We're not just left, oh, he was the hairy one. We also learn about some other things about Esau. He is hes more of the rugged, outdoorsy type. He likes to go hunting. He likes to work in the fields. So, So he's very much, you, you might think of him as kind of this rugged guy who's always out in the world, doing things, working with his hands, and so on. Jacob, on the other hand, is more of the introvert. He's more content to stay in the tents, where it's nice and and shady. So they're already developing very different personalities, very different preferences, And we soon find out that Jacob also has a bit of an intellect. He has a bit of. Again? again? Really? This happened last week. Okay. So he he has a bit of an intellect. he's, He's a bit of a crafty guy. So there's this one day, and again, we heard this last week Esau comes back from hunting working in the fields. He's had a long day. You can imagine it was probably about as hot as it is here, maybe even hotter. And Esau's coming back from a full day of being out in the sun, working, toiling, and he is starving. And he comes back. Jacob is cooking a stew. And it looks so incredibly delicious to Esau. And so he asks for a bowl, as perhaps most of us would in that situation. Jacob decides he's not just going to be the considerate younger brother, instead, he's going to say, Sure. You can have this if you hand over your birthright. That is, everything that would eventually be due to Esau upon the death of his father, it would instead go to Jacob. Esau is like, what do I care? I feel like I'm about to die. So, sure, hand it over. Here, here you go. But later, he comes to his senses and realizes what he's done, and the bad blood between the brothers continues to grow warmer. Now, as if that wasn't enough, there is another story that the lectionary has has skipped. Another story where Jacob does a similar thing to Esau. There there comes a point where their father Isaac, he's getting on in years, and his eyesight has become very poor. And there is going to come a point where, where Isaac is going to invite Esau in, where he is going to give Esau His blessing, a very important passing of the torch sort of moment from father to son. Rebecca knows this is coming and she conspires with Jacob to cover Jacob's forearms with animal hair. See, it is important that we know that Esau's hairy. So he covers his arms with animal hair so that he will go in and Isaac will think he is Esau and bless him instead. Again, wonderful, loving brother, doing looking out for his older brother at every turn. So he goes in Wearing the animal hair, Isaac believes it is his son Esau and blesses Jacob instead. And Esau eventually, of course, finds out about this. And nothing about this, how this has played out, can be reversed, can be taken back. It is what it is. Jacob now has received both Esau's birthright and he has received his father's blessing that was meant for Esau. Now, enough of this happens over the course of a relationship. You might be able to imagine how Esau is feeling about his younger, crafty brother. And nine times out of 10, you would probably be accurate. Esau is enraged. And Jacob catches wind of this and decides, you know what? I think I might go away for a while, just until things cool down around here. And so he starts off on a trip. He's on the run. He's going off to stay with his relative Laban in a place called Haran. And so now, now here we are at this place where Jacob, it is getting close to dark. Jacob decides he's going to lie down and rest for the night. And he has this dream, a dream where there is this, depending on which translation, sometimes it's a ladder, sometimes it's a stairway to heaven. Nothing? Okay. Thank goodness. All right. So, so Jacob sees this in his dream, and it's, it's the, this connection between heaven and earth. And not only that, but, but God speaks to Jacob. And it's a familiar refrain by this point in Genesis. I am the God of your ancestor Abraham. I am the God of your father Isaac. I have made promises to your family that this land will all eventually be yours. I will make of you a great nation. And there will be this wonderful place through whom or through which all nations of the entire earth will be blessed. Now, at this point, Jacob wakes up and he says god is in this place and i had no idea what a wonderful place this is he he puts up a shrine he wants to mark this occasion he wants to mark this experience for himself now this is notable for a few reasons that that he makes this exclamation and that he he marks this place first there's hardly a mention of God in Jacob's story up to this point, at least by Jacob himself. There are mentions by Isaac and others. Surely when, when Isaac had blessed him, there, there was a, the, an understanding that God was present at that time of blessing. But for Jacob himself, there... We don't really get a sense of of any kind of, of piety or practice or faith expressed. Instead, Jacob has this far been much more interested in what he can get for himself. But here he is having this very significant spiritual experience. It won't be the last that he has either. But this begins a turning point in his own psyche and in his own spirit. Now, second point, the second thing is that this is also a turning point for his larger story, sending him on a different path. There, there is an awareness that will continue to develop from this point going forward. It will lead to several large developments. There is this promise that God has made to Abraham and to Isaac, and now he has this consciousness that it will continue through him. Now, we can read or hear a story like this and we can, we can see it as a, a sudden epiphany, which in one sense it is. A jarring moment that leads to, to massive change. It leads to a complete overhaul of Jacob's life. And in one way, again, it is. Jacob has not had an experience like this before. Before. But on the other hand, we might be able to make some educated guesses about what Jacob's life and upbringing has been like when he wasn't busy tricking his brother. Isaac had also heard these promises from God, promises about a great nation, a gift He he would have heard this from his father, Abraham. He had likely talked about it with his own sons. Rebekah had probably also talked about it with them both at various points. So in that sense, Jacob is not a stranger to God. In that sense, he's not a stranger to hearing these faith claims. Or he's, he's likely been a part of rituals, very family rituals, spiritual rituals that, that his family has observed. He, he's grown up with them. And so he's always had at least an intellectual sense of what these things were about. But this is the moment that he begins to make them his own. He begins to claim them for himself. It is a big moment, but it's also a moment that is preceded by a whole bunch of little moments that he didn't realize might have been taking root inside of him. We may or may not have our own Jacob's Ladder Sorts of stories that we could share. Stories of of big, bright epiphany, stories where God's presence for us was unmistakable. They're the sorts of moments that that are easy to identify, but they may also have still been preceded by a bunch of smaller ones. That maybe we didn't pick up on at the time, but they helped nevertheless make room within us to receive it when that what we think of as a larger moment happened. My family takes a trip every year down to Florida, Ormond Beach, just north of the city of Daytona. And one of my favorite things every year is I will, I will wake up before everyone else. And if it's early enough, I'll, of course, the very first thing is you've got to make the coffee. That is critical. But then after that, I will go out and I'll sit on the balcony of our condo and just watch the sunrise. The sight of it rising over the water is is one of my favorite things to experience while we're down there. Now, there is, of course, a side effect of sitting out here facing the sun as it comes up, is that it gradually gets warmer As I am sitting there, if you sit out there, begin sitting out there early enough, you don't really notice it. It's cool enough, you you can be comfortable. But then, of course, it starts to get warmer gradually, gradually. You don't notice it until there finally just comes a moment where I say to myself, man, it's hot. And that is my cue to go back in to where it's air conditioned. I have had my moment of watching. I've enjoyed it. But then suddenly, it really does come as a sudden epiphany. Wow, I'm warm now. And so that's my cue to go back inside. I don't, don't really notice it at first. I don't notice the gradual warming happening, there just comes a moment where it's like, okay, that's, I'm good. You don't realize, there just comes a sudden realization of how hot it has become gradually over 30 to 45 minutes. It happened gradually rather than suddenly. You don't realize it until it's just fully there most moments of faith related clarity are more like a gradual sunrise there are those big moments and if and when they happen they are life changing they do help us turn a corner but but likely it's likely that a bunch of smaller moments helped us receive that larger one. It's more likely that God's presence dawns on us slowly over time. There are small things that can happen, small things like a moment during worship or a moment during a time of personal prayer or or a loved one just shares a word of encouragement with us. Or there's some wordless moment that we can't explain. We just, we have this, this, this sense of something occurring that maybe we won't be able to talk about or describe for a while, if ever or through an act of service where we are able to, to share who we are or what we have with others or, or some form of support that is offered to us, each of these seemingly smaller moments where we don't notice how warm our hearts and our spirits are getting, but maybe the big moment then comes to blow it all open. Or that moment may never come, but enough smaller moments open us up enough. One of my favorite, if you could call it a conversion story, comes from the writer Anne Lamott. Anne tells a story of her earlier days where she is struggling with addiction, and she's doing her best in the midst of this. She she is seeking a way out even if it still has its hands on her for quite a while. And at the same time, she at some point finds herself beginning to attend worship, at least occasionally. And she for, through, through this struggle, through this attendance and so on, she begins to have an inkling of something. She begins to have an inkling that, that there is something larger that is, that is around her, that is within her, that, that is helping provide some strength that she can't have by herself. And she tells a story of there's one particular Sunday morning where she quite literally staggers into her church he plops down in a pew she experiences the service and near the end she describes a feeling of just being so overwhelmed so overcome by the music This is the way she describes it in her own words. She says, I felt like their voices or something was rocking me in its bosom. Holding me like a scared kid. And I opened up to that feeling and it washed over me. She's overcome with emotion. She stumbles back home. She stands in in the middle of her living room, and all she really says is, fine, you can come in. And that's her moment. It's not big. It's not flashy. She doesn't get to have a dream like Jacob did or anything like that, but nevertheless... She has this moment for herself, this moment of becoming open to God's presence. It's far from a Jacob's Ladder epiphany, but they don't have to be. They often aren't. Instead, it's often the little things warming us over time, so gradual that we may not be able to sense the changes happening until one day, We realize how high the sun is in the sky. And we realize the transformation that it has caused. And we can say, God is in this place, and I wasn't able to see it until now. Fine. You can come in. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Coffee House Contemplative Podcast. I'm Jeff Nelson. You can find more about my writing, including all my books, at jeffreyanelson.com. You can also find me on social media, Jeffrey A. Nelson on Facebook, and I am at Bold Roast Rev on both Twitter and Instagram.